0: shitty christians i'm your host michael tabor i'm
1: zachary ollard
0: and we are joined today by a guest we have chris tatum in the studio not really in his studio on the other side of the country because we're the best in at social distancing
2: in my in my yeah, chris- studio which is literally like surrounding myself with temporary mattresses and like oh like it's egg nice egg that you try stuff.
0: to like actually make the sound sound good we're not very we don't care
1: can i ask a question what is a temporary mattress <laughs>
2: Like a, a mattress that you would put on like a pull-out bed, like a, a mattress topper. But it folds up. It's not like a mattress topper that you would put on a permanent bed. It's a mattress topper that you can fold up and put in like a closet. Oh, wait. You live in California. You don't have closets. Never mind. Um, uh, I, I'm disappointed
1: that you gave me a real response. Yeah, what's a closet? <laughs>
0: <laughs> Actually, we have closets here. It's basements that we just do not fuck with. Yeah, I have a pretty big closet. On, on a moral level, California is a I mean, you level, know this. California we don't fuck with basements
2: in North basements. Carolina. It's terrifying out here. We have, oh, I
0: mean, I feel like we have under houses. Like we have crawl spaces. <laughs> under houses like under butts. We're just letting it all hang out. <laughs> Chris has been a friend for a long time, and he is here to talk with us about just war theory. And also, I think just more generally, the history of Christians and violence, which is to say, lots of great things.
1: You know, our podcast too often is criticizing Christians, complaining about their failings. And so we just really wanted to do another episode where we get into what Christians do right, like violence and the state. But first, Chris, maybe we should get to know you a little bit.
2: Um, so I kind of was. I, I, I'm a Christian. Like, I guess I should just say that out loud. Like, I, I ascribe. We're taking to- you off this <laughs> podcast. Definitely not allowed. <laughs> uh, so I was brought up with just. A, a kind of a wide variety of of influences in terms of like external and internal. So internally, like I love games, like board games, video games, tabletop games. Like that's just a thing that I do a ton of, uh, listen to a ton of, watch a ton of. I was brought up in a conservative Christian home, very Southern Baptist.
0: We wouldn't know anything about
1: that. Yeah,
2: doesn't sound right. <laughs> yeah, fair. I would that kind of got countered by the military upbringing. My dad was in the military for twenty seven years, uh, and so we moved around a lot and when you're overseas you just don't have a ton of options when it comes to what church you go to you kind of go to the one that speaks english and kind of agrees with you sometimes um, <laughs> yeah and i mean even when we were living in europe like my mom and dad would take us to visit other churches and you know and there's just a lot of a lot of variety in a lot of ways like i remember going to like orthodox christian like services Um, and it was funny because my mom would regularly just kind of lean over and like, okay, this, some people do this, but you know, we don't do this. Like it just kind of a very like filtering, like as, as I was taking in culture, she was just filtering it to make sure that I wasn't taking in too much.
1: Like when I, uh, would watch discovery channel with my parents (laughs) obsessively and my parent, my, if my parents were around, my mom would be like, you know, that's great. That's all true. But you know, evolution isn't real. Right. Yeah
2: yeah and i think we've all had like similar examples to that i mean you know i went to see titanic in a movie theater and nice. hey man <laughs> it, it was pg 13 at the time and yeah i definitely was Titanic. me either <laughs> and, and you're younger
0: than us damn mom oh, look at you yeah, stepping out no, well she, she just really wanted very, to see it
2: if i don't know what when titanic came out in the united states we got it four months later but we didn't have any of the discourse we didn't oh, have any right. Yeah, so, just didn't because know. The internet was not really there. <laughs> like that's not, So she had no that
0: idea had. that she was sacrificing your purity as a young oh, man no. at the altar of romance. Damn. Shout outs, mom. You're a real one. <laughs>
2: you know, thanks mom. Mom, you really, you did. And his mom you, you're was one of Kate good Winslet.
1: Ones. <laughs>
2: <laughs> uh, but yeah, so I just, I had a ton of stuff that was just, that was kind of thrust on me in a lot of ways. Thrust is a weird word. Um, I have a lot of. Yeah, I was gonna that say, given the history <laughs> and, of some of these nominations, Kate Winslet was thrust upon Chris. It, well, the bad part is that my second thing that I wanted to say was that I was exposed to a lot of things, and that doesn't. Help.
0: <laughs> <laughs> so you got smorgasbord of evangelical Christianity filtered through military, which you know we here at Shitty Christians love. That always works out great for us. Yeah,
1: and that's why Chris. Yeah, no, and that's I...
2: actually why this episode exists. <laughs> and that's
1: why Chris and I, when we met at 18, immediately became friends literally were both the lost boys of evangelical culture
2: we were just broken we didn't know any better (laughs) chris are you here to
1: teach us how to be nice
2: no i would never (laughs) teach you to be nice (laughs) never many of real talk Uh. my dad was listening to an episode from a couple of weeks ago and he he drops this one and i was just like oh man here we go and he's like man their points are so well considered and they had a lot of good things to say, but they're just so mean to people. Yeah, you are gonna get them to stop being mean to people. That's not gonna happen.
0: And
1: we're back, Chris. We didn't just bring you on to tell us about your exciting, exotic life, traveling the world like a young James Bond. We brought you on here to educate us. Teach
0: us about things like war and also maybe how to balance a checkbook.
1: Oh, that's exciting. Chris, can you
2: do my taxes? I can. I'm not going to. I don't do my own taxes. (laughs) I pay somebody to do my taxes. One day you'll do your taxes, Zach.
1: (laughs) (laughs) So, Chris, what are you here to talk about?
2: I mean, I don't know that I want to call the word. I I don't want to invoke the idea of teaching. I think that teaching is a complicated process, but I do think that there's a history in the Protestant evangelical church of leveraging violence and war against human life for political gain, and that is what I want to talk about. More specifically, the myth that there is a just war.
0: You can't see it, but my hands are up in the air right now. I I am going full double palm to Jesus worship in response to that sentence.
2: Well, you do have Jeremy Camp next to you, so that makes sense.
0: Yeah, Jeremy, welcome to the pod. I wish <laughs> I had someone as handsome as fake Jeremy Camp next to me on this podcast right now.
2: Well, I have
1: someone as handsome as real Jeremy Camp next to me on the pod right now.
0: <laughs> We're crossing over episodes. The myth of the just war. I love that.
2: Yeah, that's a hell of a thesis, Chris. Uh, How did you get there? So much reading. I know that you guys are not big fans of reading. We are an anti-reading podcast.
1: I hire somebody to come and read my tweets to me, and then I dictate
2: (laughs) it. Read your own (laughs) tweets to you?
0: He's a job creator, Chris.
2: (laughs) What a capitalist. He's really putting it back into the market. Yeah,
0: Zach personally getting a bailout.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, no, the Trump administration is sending me $600 billion. He's a beautiful
0: company, Chris. Don't you disparage him. It's a triple A company,
2: okay? I think that if you look over the history of Christianity, you have to engage Mm -hmm. with the inherent violence in that history.
0: Very Monty Python of you. Come and see the violence inherent in the theology.
2: (laughs) In the theology, (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> and I think that over time, we have decided that we really just have to justify that in some way. And that, that justification really comes down to a nice little acronym that i came up with all on my own are you inventing <laughs> teaching what, what, what is, tools what, here? what is
1: happening here are you bringing pedagogy to this now
2: <laughs> i am first there was
1: reading now there's pedagogy am i is there a quiz
0: are there going to be felt dolls that are going to teach me moral lessons chris No, there's going
2: to be tiny animated vegetables that teach you lessons michael <laughs>
0: Okay, that I'm fine with that. No, just, I, I've been conditioned.
2: He is going. He is going to give us a PowerPoint. My God, <laughs> I just think that it's applicable. I think that. <laughs> I think that it uh, would help you guys in your development, and most importantly, oh, we're way past that point. <laughs>
0: we have a podcast, man. It's all downhill from here. <laughs>
2: I think that it was also sourced specifically from an article written by Bruce Ashford like a month ago. <laughs> so... Yay!
0: Okay, I'm back on board. If we can shit on Bruce Ashford, I'm here for it. Friend all right, so pie, pie, is your, Bruce, what is your acronym?
2: All right, so the letters O, liar, I think that I can outline the idea that Christians point to <laughs> for the just war. <laughs>
1: Yay,
0: okay. You know what, Chris, I just need to offer our first official shitty Christians apology. We were wrong to judge you.
2: I tried to keep it relevant. I like to be I would on like to rescind topic. our first shitty Christian's apology. <laughs> yeah. And double down on saying fuck off.
0: That is that is the only official shitty Christians policy is double down fuck you.
2: <laughs> so with that said, I think that the real if, if if I'm narrowing it down, I'm saying that these five letters can be expounded upon to demonstrate how violence is justified by the uh, religious right or the moral yes. majority or the mm-hmm. evangelical Christians, whatever you want to call them, however you, you want to say white people or the white folk.
0: <laughs> yeah.
2: And the evangelic cucks, (laughs) dude. There's a version of the
0: podcast where we say that a lot.
1: (laughs) In this version,
0: (laughs) so this is based on your response to a Bruce Ashford article.
2: That is correct.
0: You wrote an article specifically about just war theory.
2: Yeah, I believe the, the thesis was I am peaceful but not a pacifist.
0: I don't star shit, but I finish it, was the entire article.
2: <laughs> I felt similar, um, and I think that will demonstrate that. Uh, I definitely felt like someone wrote something in a way that things had already happened, and so they had to justify it after the fact. You know, it's, it's, well, you guys don't have kids, but no, so a common occasion with kids is you walk into the room, and you obviously know that something bad is going on.
1: <laughs>
2: no and i live with like,
0: zach i know exactly what that's about
1: <laughs> my mouth is just my mouth is just covered in honey like a bear and like
2: <laughs>
0: yeah and every time he's like it's not sexual and i'm like yeah but you're not wearing the pants
2: <laughs> well he started it <laughs> yeah, yeah
0: this was just
2: <laughs> so for starting with my very balanced and my very uh kind acronym that i've created we're gonna start with o of the o liar and the o stands for others and bruce used nehemiah 4 as an example of where violence was justified actual war actions between two. so
0: not for me because obviously i have the bible totally memorized always duh but like what's happening in nehemiah 4
2: (laughs) so Nehemiah is kind of a funny story of where this prophet says, hey, Jews, we need to um, rebuild this wall. And the Jews are like... Generally
1: speaking, wait, when is anyone Nehemiah says, Trump? Yeah. Wait, Nehemiah <laughs> was trying to make Israel great again?
2: Nehemiah was literally trying to make <laughs> Israel great again. I can't even <laughs> argue with that. That's, I'm mad that I can't argue with that, but that's kind of what was happening.
1: Trump has been ordained by God. Chris, <laughs> Tat- Chris Tatum said it here first.
2: Yep. <laughs> so... The Jews had Jerusalem destroyed, and Nehemiah was called upon to deliver this message. Hey, we need to rebuild this wall. We need to develop. We need to devote all of our resources to it. It's really important to to build this wall. But while they were building it, these other um, I'm going to say other countries. I'm, there's no good word to describe those people based on what the Bible <laughs> says. I'll get canceled immediately um
1: you can just call him goyim that's our word <laughs> yeah there it is
2: how very it's definitely
1: are. not <laughs>
0: so were, some people they, came to stop the wall building
2: yes they were they said no antifa showed up the democrats <laughs> there is very much a greater good mentality here it's a it's a very Aristotelian idea and it's it's fine I think that you could defend that.
0: Well, it, it's the idea of defense, right? Like, right. hey, it's okay to play defense. Violence being used to protect right. others.
2: And I think that my issue with Bruce Ashford using it here is that I struggle to see it demonstrated in Modern Wars. I think in Modern Wars, it's been a lot more of a good defense is, is a great offense. <laughs> yeah a good defense right. is called a nuclear this ball. is how you stop people from attacking you <laughs> we'll by that. having bigger swords <laughs>
1: yeah but have you ever been attacked by a dead person it's fuck good you point. Guys.
2: checkmate
0: yeah so I think like a lot of bad theology or bad thought it starts in its most reasonable place and then moves out so the most reasonable place is like hey man if someone's attacking you it's okay to defend yourself and like we're not even seeding that ground but we are acknowledging that that's where it starts because it wants you to be like yeah of course yeah. of
2: course yeah. you and, and not yourself. just yourself but these people weren't even they weren't militant at all they were just putting rocks on top of each other to build a wall
0: ah so so it's now you we move from defending yourself to defending the innocents
2: these people aren't attacking anyone these people aren't doing anything to anyone this this city's rubble belonged to those jews they were allowed to build there but they were being attacked so we have our o now we have our l um and this is the law and when i say the law and when most evangelicals say the law they're referring specifically to old testament law like exodus leviticus stuff Um, If you guys don't know what Exodus Leviticus are, I can't help you. Just Google it.
0: Uh, Don't Google it. (laughs) Never Google it. Yeah, probably don't Google Leviticus.
2: You're going to be real sad.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Petit cancel. And on this podcast, I am canceling the first five (laughs) books of the Bible.
0: Chris, stop trying to nuance our positions. (laughs) I
2: I learned it from you. You did not. (laughs) (laughs) So this would be the law that was passed down from a big old mountain onto some tablets and then adapted as, an, as as a civilization was born and effectively in exodus 2 it, it speaks specifically to if if someone wrongs you or wrongs your wife or your child or your family or your Goat, <laughs>
0: listen. My goat has a long <laughs> list of enemies, that's all I'm saying. Okay,
2: and in that law, retaliatory
0: violence is okay. It's like, hey, if somebody comes at right. you, 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 you slap clap back. back, you
1: clap you, back. Would, would it be fair to call this the eye for an eye? Uh, the
2: this Nancy is an Nancy Pelosi Pelosi Amendment. This is what this is. If Trump yeah, comes yeah. at you, you clap back at him. That's how it works.
0: That's right. You get a <laughs> gif out
1: that shit. And then vote for everything he wants and everything fact, else.
2: You push him for very minimal oversight and still give away a trillion dollars.
0: <laughs> I love that we're talking about the Old Testament right now and still somehow it's about how much we hate Democrats. <laughs> All right. So that's the Old Testament yeah, law. It is, is. It's I it for very an much that. Yes. And he's using this to justify just war.
2: Well, it gets complicated there because he's not willing to say that if an individual attacks you, you should attack them back. He's using the Old Testament to justify uh, a country retaliating against another country, which... Which is already insane. I don't know that it's insane. I think that there are further passages in the New Testament, particularly the life and sacrifice of Jesus Christ, that make that... I'm not going to say obsolete. I'm actually going to say... Wrong.
0: That's better. That's better. Yeah.
2: (laughs) I actually think that that is wrong.
0: (laughs) Again, you've already brought up two Bible passages. You're making me talk about theology. This is not okay. But if we can get into it for one second, it's almost as if the character and personage and sacrifice of Jesus Christ changed the fucking rules.
2: Yes, I would definitely argue that. As a baby theologian, I would argue that.
1: Everybody remembers when Jesus rode into Rome on a giant white stallion, was cutting down motherfuckers with a sword. Came down on a golden escalator. And then created the Catholic Church. We all remember that.
2: (laughs) Read your history, people. (laughs) Um, A New Testament scholar Uh, Who was a pacifist, Richard Hayes, said, The crucifixion demonstrates a Messiah who refuses the defense of the sword and dies at the hands of a pagan state that bears the power of the sword. So, what Richard Hayes is saying here is that literally the death of Jesus overturned the Old Testament law that is being used to justify violence against others, specifically violence against others from other countries. And I find that particularly poignant in our discourse today.
0: Are you telling me Jesus wasn't born with an AR 15 in his hand? Because if so, I am going to need to get a new translation.
2: He was absolutely not born with an AR 15. Uh,
1: uh, wait, you're not reading the USAB?
2: <laughs> <laughs> that was good.
1: That was Jesus. That
2: was good. <laughs>
1: Okay, Chris, so uh, the I is one of the ones I'm most excited about.
2: Well, I stands for inevitability. It's the idea that there's a consistent promised reality of wars mm. and that the existence of those wars justifies further wars. This is an argument based on the idea that because the world is broken, like we are fallen people in a fallen world, it's going to happen therefore we need to pick a side
1: yeah i think this is the one that for me is so so cynical and blackpilled like it it reminds me of the judge in blood meridian talking about how war is god Mm -hmm. and it drives it makes me sort of cringe because it is a really effective argument well war is going to happen which side are you on And, and the idea that to like not participate in war is the greater moral failing, that these crimes are necessary because it could be worse otherwise. It's comically counterfactual. It's saying, well, this is better than it could have been.
2: And it's also, this was the same, like, verse and chapter used to argue for slavery in the United States. Like, that was a very, very common thing. They were saying, look, we can help these people or we cannot help these people. And sometimes helping people means dropping a nuclear bomb on them, or stealing them from Africa and bringing them to I mean, the United States. That's right. States. It's an
1: argument from futility that uh, we're going to be doing these awful things. Let's do these awful things the best way we can.
2: <laughs> yeah, and it, it, I think that the use of Matthew 24 here, it's corrupt in a way that it's taking a passage where Jesus is warning and preparing the disciples for the hard times ahead, Mm-hmm. after some very good times for them, like they were seeing a lot of success right now in his, in, in, in his ministry. Uh, they were, a lot of people were coming out to his, to his sermons. A lot of people were showing up at the temple. Uh, he was helping a lot of people. He was healing people. And he came out and said outright, like, hey, look, guys, it's not always going to be like this. It's going to get hard. And literally, I think Bruce here is using this to justify specifically American action in wars. But yeah. generally, like, Christian actions and wars, and I have a really hard time with that.
0: Well, because it is it is evil on its face. Like, the idea that, hey, shit's going to get hard means, so you need to go harder. Uh,
2: yeah, no, they I hit, mean, go hard before they do, or else you lose.
0: Yeah, like, They hit you, you hit them back twice as hard. Yeah, don't wait for right. them to hit you. You just need to get in there and fucking hit them. Right. Like, and again, all of this argumentation about Just War exists... Only on a conceptual level. Because if you uh, try to apply this to any actual conflict, it's fucking pointless. Because we're never doing just war. It's never happened.
2: And that brings us to A. The letter of the day is A for... Arms.
0: <laughs> <laughs> uh Those things go together better than you'd think. <laughs> so,
2: <laughs> and this is kind of the, the, the armament argument so well, in Luke twenty two, it's how
0: Jesus inspired the Second Amendment. <laughs>
2: yeah, I, mean, I wish you were joking. I really
1: do. You know, when Jesus was on the cross, he had a couple of Uzis in each hand. <laughs> Little known fact that uh, the movie The Alamo is based on Jesus being on the cross. <laughs> uh,
2: so in Luke twenty two, this is where Jesus is talking to his disciples, kind of, kind of. Beside the Last Supper, and he says, "Gospels are weird. <laughs> they, they are. It's hard to know exactly how things went down." Jesus teleports.
0: Fuck you. Don't worry about.
2: He just disappeared from a crowd. He's a magician.
0: It's the director's <laughs> cut. They added footage.
2: So Jesus was speaking to the disciples, and he says, "Look, if you've got bags, if you've got sandals, if you've got cloaks, but you don't have a sword, sell them." And get a sword. Be ready. Be prepared. And Bruce kind of takes this in a direction where he's saying that we should just always have more swords.
0: <laughs> <laughs> hey, if you have sandals and a cloak but no swords, then sell all your shit and start a sword-making factory. Because, bro, right. you need fucking swords.
1: And if you have a talent... Make sure no people and you can't feed everybody. That's okay. Just make sure there's more swords than people. Make sure it's right. a sword-based it's- economy.
2: <laughs> the sword-based economy is really important here because the more swords you have, the more defensible you are. That's right. <laughs> as it turns out, I think that this argument's just absolutely nonsense. He kind of leaves out a bit of a section later in the pe- in the chapter where as the disciples hearing jesus speak are reacting to it and thinking oh man we're gonna need to get some swords guys you just hear them wrestling around getting in oh, opening drawers i don't know where you keep swords i, I have no idea where you keep a sword I don't have any swords. <laughs> if you're
0: bernie sanders you keep it on your office wall like a boss
1: <laughs> we
2: keep well, not ours all is- this can be as elegant as bernie sanders
1: well that is that is the truest thing you've said oh pod
2: and so they find two swords and they say, hey, yo, Jesus, we've got two swords. Is, is that enough? And he's like, yeah, no, that's fine. <laughs> so you good. Like, Jesus is immediately not <laughs> yeah, no, worried. No, no, about that'll it. be plenty. That'll be fine. And I, I kind of, am, I'm left to assume that one of those swords is the one that Peter carried into the garden of Gethsemane, which I know I'm getting in the weeds here. I'm sorry. It's a garden. There's going to be weeds, but like, so <laughs> <you> got, <laughs> pulls out the sword and he cuts off the guy's ear and Jesus immediately rebukes him. And by rebuke, yeah. I mean backhands him. And he's like, dog, yeah. you've got to stop cutting off people's ears. That's not okay. And so the argument just falls really flaccid for me here. The idea that we need to armor up, the, 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 the idea that we need to level up is, is nonsense when Jesus literally rebuked him a chapter later.
1: Jesus is bad at grinding. Two swords for 12 characters? I mean, how many mages do you fucking need? <laughs>
2: they could have had shields, man. There were games before this.
1: <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's it's nonsense when you see endless weapons races. Uh, You know, the United States to this day has many thousands of nuclear warheads.
2: It's not great. All right, so we have O, L, I, A, and now R, Rome. So... This is so if Zach's favorite argument was inevitability, my favorite argument is this one. And in Romans 13, Paul talks about how we need to submit to governing authorities. Um, and it's interesting to me because by submitting to a government, we are, I mean, by definition, submitting to a certain type of justified violence. And so in this particular case, I think that Bruce has it right. Like, I think he nails it. I think whoa, he literally we're this. This. Oh, <laughs> He literally says, hey, if we're going to submit to a governing authority, well, that is in itself violence. So we're submitting to justified violence. And I think that's the best argument. However, I don't think that's actually what
1: Bruce was saying. <laughs>
2: Yeah. So one, even
1: his best argument is wrong. Fuck that
0: libertarian (laughs) bullshit. I do not buy the idea that any sort of existence of the state is inherently violent. I don't buy it. But two, you're wrong. Even if we buy it, even if we buy it, I'll accept your premise. Tell me why Bruce is wrong.
2: Well, Bruce is wrong here because he wasn't saying that government is inherently violent. He was saying that well, if the government tells you to do it, you've got to do it. Right. which is a whole different problem. <laughs> For me, Romans 13 is interesting because I do actively view, like, to submit myself to a government is to submit myself to justified violence. And I'm not saying, not the libertarian argument that you're stepping on my feet, so I'm in the worst position and you're imposing yourself on me. That's not the libertarian thing that I'm talking about. I'm actually talking about the idea that Violence is inherent to governing people. In order to enforce law, even the word enforce implies violence. Mm-hmm. So if if I'm going to submit myself to law, I am going to say, okay, if I do wrong, you can cuff me and take me with you. Like, I, I am submitting myself to that violence. I just wanted to make sure that we're delineating between no, the I, I actually think don't tread really on me important. versus the actual, like, no, 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 government is, like, you have to submit yourself to that. Like no, society state, works
1: that way. A certain amount of state is premised upon the idea of force,
2: right? Like, there's no way to say, there's no way to to say like enforce law other than saying enforce law. Like that's just how you say it. <laughs> I don't actually
0: agree with that statement, but it's way too deep to get into it.
2: That's fair. And and I'm also open to that argument and willing to say that this is at least the most nuanced of his arguments. He is at least saying that. He's at least being willing to meet there.
1: But even if we accept that, war is different than policing your own people.
2: Agreed. A Obviously, percent. yes.
1: Our milit, our police state is too militarized, and we use too much force when we're dealing with laws and all that stuff. However, the idea that that is the same as uh, carpet bombing Vietnam is not even close. And I, and it's funny what Bruce Ashford is doing is just a you know he is doing the transitive property thing. These things are different, and he is saying they're the same.
2: Absolutely, and that's and to me that's where while this may be his most nuanced argument it simply breaks down when you stop conflating governments with war. Like yeah, I mean, it's just to based govern something a... is not to be at war with something.
1: Totally. It's just based around a false equivalency at heart. Right.
2: And I think that the entire article is actually, it, it is falsely underlined with the need to justify war. Um, if we accept the point of eye, if we accept the inevitability, then I think we have to accept that we are not going to be perfect We have to accept that we are not going to do just things at all times. And the need to justify them is an actual power play and not an appeal to holiness. The fact that he's trying to justify these things instead of just accept them for what they are, to me is problematic because it sounds like more of a political...
1: Yeah, Bruce's only uh, complaint about the Holy Roman Empire is that it wasn't the Holy Protestant Empire.
2: I think that these arguments ultimately fail to consider... Uh, Jesus's Sermon on the Mount. Um, he called us to be peacemakers. Uh, Isn't that just that he... a form of AR
0: fifteen? The Colt Single Action Army was known as the Peacemaker.
1: Oh, that's and what that's what okay. Jesus was referring to. Yeah, <laughs> blessed. Please, please be Blessed, a gun. Are,
0: blessed are the Colt Single Action Army. <laughs> <laughs> may they may they never jam.
2: <laughs> and you know, Jesus commanded us very directly. To not adhere to an eye for an eye in terms of justice. I don't think that the existence of war justifies war. I think Mm -hmm. that wars are bad. And I think it's okay to say that wars are bad.
0: Yeah, I I think it's the idea that like what Jesus is saying is that war war gonna war. War's gonna happen. But the idea that you need to take that and say like, oh no, no no no, but like there are there are holy wars is where it gets really ugly. And the fact that we don't call just that them holy, phrase, wars. holy
2: wars makes me uncomfortable.
0: Well, yeah, we don't call them holy wars anymore because we know that's bad. That has a bad history, as it turns out. We just call them just.
1: Yeah, right. it's another phrase for the same thing.
0: Next next one's going to be simply war.
2: <laughs> <laughs> simply war is very good. It's <laughs> it's like naked war.
0: No additives. Just war. <laughs>
2: I think that if we're going to evaluate how just a war is, we should start with what most conceive of as the most just war.
0: Vietnam. <laughs> <laughs> we'll get the to Spanish that American later. war. <laughs> Let's take a Hamilton. <laughs> <laughs> i think you may be talking about one of the world wars i'm a little fuzzy about which one but. so
2: i think and maybe this is just me and my military father and, no this and is everywhere
0: this is what i learned in school oh, like, oh yeah. yeah no world the war II. only just war is the one where the nazis were around or right. sorry no every war is just but the most just war was the one with the nazis
2: right so yeah i think that the, a question that we really should engage with is was world war ii the just war uh, at least in my upbringing, it was certainly lauded as that. It was certainly held in mm-hmm. that Absolutely. I,
1: st- I still think that's the dominant narrative.
2: You can't hate the people that stopped Hitler.
0: Yeah, Hitler was bad. I'm not afraid to say it. Wow. <laughs> bold, bold stance yeah. of shitty Christians. Those hot today. takes. <laughs> fascism, not great.
2: Well, so about fascism, just for Ooh. a hot minute. So Let's go. So we really need to talk about how... After World War One, going into World War Two, the the U.S. populace, the 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 greater group, wasn't super into getting into another war.
0: Yes, isolationism is the word that I learned in high school briefly yes, to pass exactly the test. Yes, exactly.
2: And and there is there is some contention on whether the powers what be. Believed in isolationism, but certainly there was an apprehension to going to war, Uh, and Mm -hmm. there's a couple of reasons for that. Um, One of which, it
0: didn't turn out great last time.
2: No, World War One kind of sucked, and that's that's just real. Like people came back from that war changed.
1: Yeah, I don't know how much time we want to spend on this, but the sort of TLDR for World War One is that there were no good guys, and the U.S. shouldn't have gotten involved, and. Uh, It was the first real mechanized war and killed so many
2: people so fast. So people didn't want to get involved in a war. But also, fascism wasn't scary to the American people. Mm. And not just the American people, but to the Christians. To the Protestant Christians. Um, Oh, interesting. Yeah. uh, I went digging for a ton of... I, I, I thought that after the success that i had with looking up sermons from world war 1, civil war, spanish american war, tons of wars i had so many sermons to read, particularly the the iraq war, like there was just a ton of stuff to read. any sermon found that or any sermon that i could find during world war II where the us was not involved? i just couldn't relate it to fascism and to like nationalism and to any of those things because protestants didn't as far as i could find and i'm going to leave room for me not finding every sermon that existed but i could not find a substantial protestant argument against fascism or against Hmm. christian isolationism fascism just wasn't as scary as communism that's and so, so the U.S. the U.S. literally saw, like Russia, and thought, you know, maybe it's okay, if you know. Yeah, I mean, you're the fascist in so the, by the one you know, right? Yeah, no, it's very much the W. No, like it's very much that 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 worldview, um, and kind of what was constantly said, and this was more in articles, less in sermons, was that the 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 problem the, the the problematic issues with hitler and mussolini were too outlandish to be adopted by american christians american christians weren't afraid of those ideas taking over the world what terrified them was the agnosticism of communism like the the absolute rejection of religion of communism made them very very afraid and so they just kind of sat on the sidelines um there was actually a movement uh during that time called the mother's movement where their their main argument was let's let this war run its course let's don't sacrifice our sons let's just kind of let let's just see what happens and you know pick up the pieces when we're done uh and that's terrifying to me just as a concept so the mother's movement's main conceit was Well, one, they were made up almost exclusively by white middle class wives. So they looked at the atrocities of the fascist regimes and thought, huh, maybe that's not that bad. Maybe (laughs) those fascist (laughs) arguments have some weight to them. Maybe the differences between people groups means that we should have nationalistic nations. Oh,
1: so they yeah. weren't just anti-war.
2: <laughs> no, no, no. They actually were not anti-war. They were anti- As much as
0: they were pro-genocide.
2: Their involvement in war. Hot take. And if a genocide happens, well... I mean, quite literally, the Christian the Christian right there is... They were already kind of frustrated with the immigration situation in the United States. Um mm-hmm. We don't see Jews, any parallels Italians, to that in our current Irish. time. No. I don't even know how we're relating this. How is this even applicable to today's standards? <laughs> <laughs> so they were fine with a war that they weren't involved in. And sure. so yeah. you're right to say that they they wanted to keep the boys safe but they weren't willing to keep if all anything. Boys this safe.
0: is just teaching me that Christian responses have always been the same.
2: <laughs> yeah, no. I mean, and that's kind of why I brought it up. Like I was, I was I, in that. Yes. Well, let's keep the boys safe, but it was to keep the boys safe at the expense of other boys. And I think that, we should stop saying the word boys but on top of that
1: (laughs) no historical issues with that whatsoever (laughs) i think that
2: we should also right
1: you're right i'm sorry let me be clear the beautiful boys
2: (laughs) beautiful crystalline white boys
0: (laughs) the boy bands (laughs) the boy band of brothers
2: They were willing to fight to keep some boys out of the war, but it wasn't about global violence. It wasn't about like any kind of ecumenical, like understanding of violence. It was about let's let this play out and let's be on the quote unquote right side of history is kind of where they said. And frankly, they are
1: always on the right side (laughs) of history.
2: (laughs) Quite frankly, they would have preferred fascism to communism in terms of powers taking Mm -hmm. over the world.
0: I mean, that that's America through and through.
2: I mean, if Venezuela taught us anything but then pearl harbor happened and both the us government and the evangelical church didn't really have a choice they were they had been come up against they had been they had been wronged in the exodus interpretation of the word and so they had to react they had to retaliate and so we get into this really weird situation and I don't know how deep you guys want me to get into the theology of this, but basically they were in a place before this where they thought that the world could get better. Not not just that the world could get better, but that they could help the world get better before Jesus got back.
1: Make America a city on the hill, blah, blah, blah.
2: Yeah, no, absolutely. Like As long as we make America perfect, it makes hey 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 not perfect just great
1: and clearly in the 40s (laughs) america was perfect and great
2: but no so they just they felt like that was the time that they had to get involved and Mm -hmm. in their involvement the the evangelicals kind of changed their tune a little bit here and they got involved in radio evangelism so during this nationalistic push where, you know, Rosie the Riveter, World War II, you know, get the get the women in the workplace and, and take care of your kids in the public schools and all that stuff, all that stuff is going on, and the evangelicals say, hey, we need to get the word of Jesus, we need to get the gospel out to all of these people, but not just <laughs> the women in the workplace. We need to get it into our boys overseas who are going through so much hardship, they're going through mm-hmm. so much war and sadness. We need to get the word out, which is not a bad goal. Like, I think that we can agree on that. I think that talking to people about Jesus during war times is not a bad thing.
1: Mm. Should <laughs> chi- uh, chi- Christians is agnostic on this? Yeah. Our official, our official position <laughs> is the shrug emoji.
0: i think it really depends on which jesus and i'm pretty afraid that
1: this is white jesus that we're talking about this might be uh, hetero blonde american jesus
2: i think that what what's really reflected in this is that christians stopped being about making the world better and made it more about trying to save as many people as possible um and so their outlet became sending radio messages to the front lines with the intention of Hey, before you die in this god awful war, please accept Jesus into your heart as your Lord and Savior. Make sure that you raise your hand when I ask you to close your eyes at the end of the sermon. Like that's World War II
0: radio broadcasts were the original Acquire the Fire?
2: Absolutely come down, yes. come down to the come down Thousands. to the front
1: line and get saved.
2: Yes, no, literally Acquire the Fire slash promise keepers started here. That's where this started, 100%. But we got to a point in the war. It got real scary, actually. Pearl Harbor made everybody really uncomfortable.
0: <laughs> uh, microaggression. Uh, Pearl Harbor was the man spreading in the
2: 1940s. So when the U.S. decided that they couldn't quite handle the, the Japanese front, they decided that those guys at the Manhattan Project had a pretty good idea.
0: <laughs> oh, boy. Oh.
2: <laughs> and and Harry Truman said, I mean, he literally said this in a radio broadcast. We thank God that the atomic bomb has come to us instead of our enemies. We pray that he Jesus. may guide us to use it in his ways and for his purposes. Jesus
1: Jesus did say, if you don't find a sword, uh, invent a weapon that can get, destroy entire cities full of civilians. Yeah. Uh- Acquire the
2: fire. <laughs> I kind of spoke about this earlier, about the need to justify such actions, yeah. and I grew up absolutely hearing these justifications. I absolutely heard, well, we the, the lives that we spent at Hiroshima and Nagasaki, they paved the way to not spend lives elsewhere. Yeah, we saved
1: lives when you think about it. No, it's true. I mean, the argument is based around counterfactuals and that, essentially, if we had to continue doing the war, more people would have died. So we had to destroy two cities full of civilians to make sure.
2: And that absolutely was the argument that Harry Truman was making. Like He was saying, thank goodness we have this technology. But he does say kind of the quiet thing out loud there where he says, instead of our enemies... (laughs) Well, he says,
0: "Imagine what they would do it do with it." Says the man that bombed two civilian cities.
2: Quite literally, that's what he was saying, and that's terrifying to me. I do get to shout out Reinhold Niebuhr here, though, because oh man,
1: I fucking love that dude. Did you listen to his last (laughs) mixtape?
2: He's quite the (laughs) rapper, the lyrical (laughs) mastermind. (laughs) So Niebuhr, he was a Protestant theologian at the time, and he absolutely, like, called the nuclear, like, the, the, he called the, the the nuclear bombs just, like, undermining all of the justness of World War II. He absolutely said, like, uh, I think the quote is something along the lines of, uh, it represented a nauseating self-righteousness centered on a more ideal social structure emerging from the ashes of war. So to unpack that a little bit, he's saying if you need to use a nuclear war, like weapon in order to find peace, you're probably not piecing right. <laughs> you're just not doing the <laughs> peace thing that you're saying. Uh, yeah. So just the idea there is that at this point, there were at least prominent theologians saying you mm-hmm. don't get to hold up this use of force, this use of violence as just you don't get to do that. These were a bunch of civilians and you like absolutely disintegrated them and that's not okay. This is, is
1: this our first non-shitty Christian? Should we have horns going off right now? <laughs> um, it's Jesus and uh, Reinhold.
2: <laughs> you guys would really love his past. He actually led a very militant socialist group before he settled nice. into his older when age. have we ever
0: advocated for that? <laughs> yeah.
2: <laughs> <laughs> I think that the larger narrative of World War II is that it was some kind of heroic action that we were taking, that it was doing something mm-hmm. uh, that needed to be done. But ultimately, we were just, after the fact, covering up three of the most like atrocious actions in mankind's history. Um, we had two atomic weapons go off, and we had the Holocaust, and we were like, after the fact, no, yeah, this was the best course of action. We did it. And that's, it just seems like revisionist history really hard.
0: In some ways, the justification for it feels in tune with the horrors of it. Like, because Mm -hmm. we encountered Mm -hmm. brand new horrors in this war, we had to call it, you know, the most just war. Uh,
1: It's, no, it it is actually like, no, 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 I wasn't owned. You were the one that was owned. (laughs)
2: mentality
0: uh justice is by definition a defense of evilness in this case yes
2: and and this just further like illuminates how fundamentalist leaders uh fundamentalist evangelical leaders had given up on trying to make the world better i think that there's probably an argument to be made that world war ii would have continued without u.s intervention um as the fundamentalists just kind of watched from their rooftops waiting for Jesus to come back until Pearl Harbor happened and they didn't have a choice Uh, and that makes me a little sad like that makes me feel very like first and second Thessalonians that makes me feel very that's that's a feeling now by the way books of the Bible are now feelings you're welcome
0: Oh, I, and... I've got a hard Ephesians going on right here right now. Yeah, I wish you would cover that up. <laughs> I will not. I will, Zach, I will not put j- my light under a bushel.
2: <laughs> Zach, do not Corinthians his Ephesians right now, please. Yeah, he, yeah, he,
1: he really wants that light to shine before all men. <laughs>
2: So from here, we have to go into the Vietnam War, where Protestant leaders and evangelicals generally were incredibly into the idea of the Vietnam War.
1: Oh, yeah. America rides again. (laughs) Fuck yeah. Stopping the bad guys.
2: Yeah. So Protestants were just super into Vietnam, and this is where I get to revisit the idea of how bad communism is. Oh thank goodness! Um, so we talked about. We earlier, need someone to
0: say it on this one, this because <laughs> we're certainly not going to.
2: <laughs> we said it earlier that they were the the evangelical right was super okay with fascism beating communism because their ideas were not as out because their ideas were so outlandish that they would not have taken over Christianity, but communism as a concept was just too alluring was just so, so important for them. Tell us
1: more about how sexy communism is, Chris.
2: (laughs) It was just too much. Like, you, you give up God, you give up religion, and you take on the state. And the state will take everything from you.
0: So I'll say this. I think fascism is popular with a certain brand of conservative Christianity, not because it's so outlandish, but because it connects really well. Like a certain brand of conservative christianity is very us versus
2: them. Absolutely. I actually read a really good article from a guy who went to visit fascist germany before the war and he he bit it he bit into it like hook line and sinker. He was super into the idea that hitler was 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 pushing out because it matched up with his belief like it you? matched up with his Christianity. I wish I remembered his name, and I. This is what I get for not doing enough research. <laughs> his name was Bruce Ashford, <laughs> but no, like, and he he came back to he got he got investigated by the Gestapo for almost like pushing up against some of the more extreme ideas mm-hmm. of of fascism at the time, and they were like, "Hey, look, man, you've really got to go back to the U.S." He comes back to the U.S. and like studies um, U.S. churches for a little bit, and he's like, "Oh, wait." These are just the seeds. These are the seeds of what fascists were saying in mm. Germany just years later. And so I, I think it's really interesting for you to say that because I think that there are a lot of seeds that match up with that. I think there are there's a lot of agreement between what's being said by literal Nazis. And what was being kind of undercurrented in the the Protestant Church at that time?
1: Yeah, and and you know, see, previously, hey, a
0: previous hey, ep- hey, if we've learned anything from the pro-life movement, those aren't seeds; they're babies.
2: <laughs> and if you look at previous
1: episodes, you know, we're not going to spend a ton of time on this argument, but essentially, that's still alive and well today. Bruce Ashford actually does argue for a version of Christian fascism. That is his vision for what he wants America to be. And so this this was relevant then and it, it, it's arguably even more relevant now in the Christian right.
2: Absolutely. And then, and that's kind of that's kind of the idea here, right? And that's why we're drawing all these points together, is that these these Protestant leaders, they saw communism as this huge, absolute threat, and so they chose fascism over it, and now fascism was largely, in their opinion, dead. But now they've got to like lower the they've got to lower the gun against communism here. Uh, our our friend Niebuhr, good good friend Niebuhr, who just de- hated the nuclear weapons, he did hey, absolutely frenemy. the frenemy Niebuhr absolutely said that communism was the greatest threat to Christianity. But let's talk about how Billy Graham, at the same time, was going on this evangelical crusade tour around the world. <laughs> actually yeah
0: (laughs) calling it a crusade billy graham i you know maybe (laughs) time
1: for a rebrand on that one
2: it's not a great name the uh
1: the billy graham uh police intervention (laughs) the
0: billy graham stop and frisk tour (laughs) (laughs) so yeah billy graham's out here during basically the civil rights movement right like
2: so, yeah, at this point in, in time, Martin Luther King Jr. is established and is, is kind of bringing up and and facilitating a much larger movement at home while Billy Graham is abroad. He's out there conflating American Christianity literally with free market capitalism, like... Actually, going out of his way to vilify communism in the face of these non-American audiences,
0: which is why Bruce Ashford sucks because he's just fucking like swagjacking like Billy Graham's corner. Like he doesn't even have an original thought. Like he's just he's just cribbing.
1: Well, I mean, he's incapable of having an original thought because
0: it's not okay to spit other people's writings, Bruce Ashford. <laughs> <laughs>
2: And so Martin Luther King Jr. here is bringing up the civil rights movement, and he's he's willing to say, like, outright, communism is bad, it is anti-God, and I am pro-God, and for a Christian to say they are anti-God is bad. I know, I'm quite revolutionary here.
0: It's fine. You can we can cut as much as you say. It's fine.
1: <laughs> no, here's the thing, Christoph. I am a centrist. I, I am the cent I am a centrist, MLK. I am a centrist between capitalism and communism. I'm as a socialist. <laughs>
2: <laughs> I actually read this sermon from Martin Luther King Jr. and it was fascinating because I feel like he was kind of leading his audience on like his congregation like so the, the Are you the saying co- Martin
0: Luther King Jr was a tease cuz we've already addressed those allegations <laughs>
2: <laughs> So in the in the transcript I was reading they had like the call outs from the audience and you could see them doing like the amens and the yes sirs and the, all that and then it gets to the part where he's like but communism's pretty cool though <laughs> <laughs> And Crazy, his isn't. whole his whole point behind that was saying hey Maybe communism doesn't have room for God in it, but it does have room for taking care of people in it. Mm. And taking care of people seems like a thing God wants to do. (laughs) And I think that we could all agree that that's a thing that God wants to do.
0: I haven't seen a lot of evidence of that in the history of the church, but I'll go with you on it.
2: (laughs) (laughs) Thanks for coming out on this limb. I appreciate it. It's
1: it's sort of abstract, like going faster than the speed of light, but okay. (laughs) It's sort of like the Just
0: War. I believe it, but I've never seen it. (laughs)
2: To, to back up MLK Jr. here as if he needs any support. Um, the, Every, the... Everybody
0: needs a hype man, Chris. Everybody needs true. a hype man.
2: So William Temple was the Archbishop of Canterbury at the time, and he was willing to a say... A better hype man. <laughs> His name was, willing... was Temple. <laughs> <laughs> he was willing to say that communism was a Christian heresy. Like He was willing to say that it was absolutely heretical for people to believe communism it had some pretty good ideas that you could probably mm. find in your local like Gideon Bible in the hotel you're staying in.
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah. So it's taking all of this Christian concept and just pulling the god out of it.
2: Right. And that's that that was very much what was being said by Martin Luther King Jr. and William Temple, but the the evangelical right was not willing to meet them in the middle. It became very apparent while Vietnam was raging and the evangelical Christians were willing to go out and kill communism, but they weren't willing to defend civil rights at home. So, after the evangelical right backs you know, the US government through Vietnam and, and supports them and says, you know, this is a good idea. We need to be doing this. Um, they got pretty mad at Nixon (laughs) for kind of turning coat on them pretty hard and saying, Hey, it's okay. Soviet Russia. It's fine. We'll, we'll still talk. Oh, China. It's fine. We can trade goods back and forth. This isn't a big deal. Um, but then Reagan comes along, and Reagan has the right ideas, man. We can't sit here during this Cold War and not increase the number of nuclear weapons that we have.
0: Yeah, I mean, it's a Cold War. I want to get hot. I'm, I'm cold. <laughs> I, need, I need a temperature that I feel comfortable at. I need, I need a I, blanket made of swords.
2: Frankly, it's like the temperature of like uranium-151 when it's not surrounded by lead. It's about that temperature. Unlike
1: your Bacardi-151 rude which is always the right temperature going down smooth bacardi 151
0: yes
2: if
1: i (laughs) I think of bacardi 151
0: what i think is smooth
2: so reagan comes in and is just very into increasing military spending you know like Mm -hmm. republican presidents tend to do reagan was just was very interested in protecting our country with more offense The the best defense is a good offense in this case.
0: Yeah, the best defense is a dead
1: civilian. The best sword or more swords.
2: Right. So, no, when Jesus said that you need to sell your cloak for a sword, he was saying you need to sell your cloak for every single nuclear weapon on the planet.
0: You need to sell your cloak for all swords.
2: (laughs) (laughs) Right. The religious right at that point was super on board with it. They were like, no, you're absolutely right. Yeah, Reagan
0: worked with the churches.
1: He's so beloved Absolutely. still.
2: No, he gave insane numbers of sermons and like he preached, quote unquote. He I'm sorry, I can't use the word preach here. He spoke during his tenure in order to like uh, in order to build up the support for that movement. Like it was that that anti-communist movement was still very, very strong and still growing. Very, very hard through that entire time period. Even though we were what, how many decades were we removed from any kind of aggression at that point?
1: Look, Chris, I think the thing you don't understand is that it's a slippery slope. Yeah, the communists are tricky.
2: And that if you <laughs> they remember are what happened communists. in Nicaragua
1: when right-wing uh, people killed a lot of leftists, what if those leftists had lived? There yeah. could have there there might have been some human rights. Chris,
2: think of the possible human rights. You know, you're right. We should just, you know, bomb them all. You're absolutely right.
0: Yeah, well, okay. Like, we're obviously anti-bread lines here at Shitty Christians because at the end of the line, you don't pay for the bread. Yeah. It's like, why would we do that when we could walk into our bread lines now and at the end of the line, you get to pay for your bread
1: like a goddamn American. Yeah, at least Jeff Bezos is making a nickel, okay?
2: Yeah. More importantly, like, I feel like we should make sure that the price of bread never gets below a certain amount. Just across all... Yeah. It, it, you know,
1: Shout outs, Pete, for the making sure that bread. The, the bread prices are broken, and we needed someone to fix them.
2: Yeah. <laughs> During this time in history, while Reagan is just blowing out the budget for spending mm. on nuclear weapons and nuclear armament, yep. there's just a world where. Christians stopped playing along. And when I say Christians, I don't mean like evangelical leaders or the religious right or the moral majority. I mean like Christians, the, the laymen. They were willing to say, hey, I think this is wrong. In fact, uh, for a, a, a publication that you guys probably are familiar with, The Sojourners uh danny column wrote an entire s- <laughs> my dms are open yeah <laughs> danny column wrote an entire series of articles about how we were vilifying the ussr in a way that incriminated and vilified the workers and the people of those countries and not the government that was running them he was actually saying that it was that, that anti-communism was a state religion of the United States and that wow. we were elevating communism to such a level of, of hatred that we were demeaning the value of the humans that lived under that system as if the humans that lived under that system had any choice in the matter. And that is such a huge turning point because just a couple of years later, the United Methodists, the Episcopals, the Lutherans, and the Southern Baptists had all denounced American escalation of nuclear arms. So, like... Wow. They, just everyone turned coat. Like, everyone was like, no, this is bad, though. Like, we shouldn't just do this for money. I just really feel like at that point, the the domino theory of communism didn't play out the way that it was advertised by the right. Um, South Korea is still South Korea. Vietnam is still Vietnam. And there's, it's just this whole, this whole problem at this point, of trying to justify our actions for the betterment of the church when I think that the seeds of those actions were always seeded in the political gains of the people who were in charge of the evangelical right at the time. Um, and, you know, at the end of World War II, we were really pushing towards uh, trying to get the word out, trying to get the gospel to the people who needed it. And maybe we succeeded at that, but I think that those radio evangelical messages turned into the televangelists. And our televangelists have a terrible history of being...
0: Fucking Shall sexy. I
2: say good <laughs>
1: i don't know down, like obviously down to party yeah which is the thing i love in a friend <laughs> they're,
2: they're always holding they're down to experiment at this point you know jim and tammy faye baker uh jimmy swagger they were running absolutely awful fronts for their rape and embezzlement like they were just factories high
0: production (laughs) very efficient (laughs) yeah not like those tesla factories they're getting it done
2: but no so like there's just this world where the evangelical right just has has collapsed because they were no longer on the side of the workaday christian and the workaday christian i think are people like us are people like us who want to help other people and it's really hard to claim the moral majority when the things that you've done for the last 60 years have hurt other people.
0: I I don't know if I see a lot of evidence that like what we are is the standard.
2: No, that's probably true. I think that what I would say is that they failed to connect on the points that made it more important, how we treated our neighbors, which was how we treated the people that we care about most. And now we're just kind of in a mess, and you probably – you could say something here about the Iraq war if you wanted to, but I just don't think that we have any ground to stand on when it comes down to it.
1: I'm really <laughs> glad they found the WMD. Yeah. Otherwise, right. otherwise, it's just a chance to pillage and murder.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, I think what it needs to be said is that, like, at the end of the day, who is going to save the soul of oil if not us? hmm It's crude. We have to refine it.
2: (laughs) I hate you for saying that. Yeah, I I really have a hard time trying to defend the actions that the United States has taken since nine eleven. I it just feels like Britain in the seventeen hundreds. It just that's all it feels like.
1: Essentially, we have we have been sort of talking about the last. 80 years or so of American wars and interventions and evangelical support theory of just war. And uh, Chris, forgive me if I'm wrong, it seems like there are no just wars.
2: I would certainly argue that there are no just wars. I think that the need to justify war is centered in trying to build up a kingdom that exists here on Earth. And the kingdoms on Earth are damned. And we should just abandon those. Um, I think that we should make the most of what we have here, but trying to defend something because you think it makes you morally upright, because it makes you uh, feel better, is wrong. Outright.
0: How much better off would we be if we just accepted the national stain
1: of our failings? Yeah, And, and I think what's happening here is a pretty old story. Christianity is being wedded to power, is choosing to be wed to power. And one of those two things has to die when Christianity and power meet. And typical of American Christianity is the Christianity part that dies on the vine and the power that continues.
0: Chris, thank you so much for being on the pod. I really appreciate it. Uh, Where can people find
2: you on the internet? Uh, The easiest way is at Fox Ashes F-A-W-K-E-S A-S-H-E-S on Twitter.
0: My name is Michael Tabor. You can find me at Michael Tabor on Twitter. I'm Zachary Allard. You can find me at Zachary underscore Allard. And and you can find us negging John Piper on Twitter at shitty underscore pod. Or check out our super cool website, shittychristians.com. Thank you so much for listening. Thank you, Chris, for being here. We really appreciate it, especially the second time through.
2: Yes. It was a ton of work, but I think that it'll be worth it. Thanks, Chris. Thanks, Chris.
0: Can we talk about your Harry Potter addiction now, or is that too much?
2: I, you know, it's it's a thing that has problems, I think, that we can all agree. Um, I just really enjoy Harry Potter, and I think that it's a fun world to live in, in my head, or when I go to Universal Studios, which I can't go to because yeah, this say, fucking, fucking virus. <laughs> yeah,
0: Hogwarts <laughs> didn't have a contingency plan for this. The Dementors aren't going to save us now.
2: I don't think the Dementors ever saved them. Yeah, Michael, they're Dementors. (laughs) Zach, don't you even. Hey, hey, hey.
0: You are my Dementors.
2: (laughs) That might be true.